two, three. Well, hello again. Welcome back. Thanks again for taking your time to be with us today. We are super excited. But before we get there, of course, if you like what you hear, go over and give us a ratings review. It doesn't have to be five stars. We want to hear what you think, what we can do better. But we know today you're going to get a ton of value because we have Jay Martin on the show. Hey, Jay, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Jason. Well, thanks for being here. And Jay Martin is the founder of SF Bay Real Estate Summit. He's a felon, which we always like to lead off with just to prepare everybody for where we're going. Airbnb entrepreneur, world traveler, real estate investor, and if that's not tiring enough for everything we just happened here, host of the, as we said, SF Bay Real Estate Summit. After getting out of jail, Jay brought his first cash flowing real estate uh, in the expensive San Francisco Bay in rougher areas and then started an Airbnb subleasing business and now is managed by a team in the Philippines. He quit his nine to five at 31, now spends his time traveling the world. And right now he's in between going, I believe he said from Colombia, right? To Mexico, to San Diego. Mexico, Beautiful. to San Diego. Yeah, All right, cool, cool. I'm paying That's attention. I'm making, I'm making notes. <laughs> he hosts an annual real estate conference in Oakland and with some of the best folks from the Bigger Pockets website. And if you've been curious about starting or growing an Airbnb business has a processes procedures and outsources or living the life the way you want to live instead of grinding it out then definitely you need to talk with him and don't miss what we have coming up for you so jay welcome to the show what i miss um you know maybe i'll have to start writing shorter bios um no but i, I think that's the basics you know i started out a little bit rough um you know in jail and then kind of got my stuff back together got a real estate business together and eventually was able to quit my job um, so it was, a, you know, obviously a progression to get there, but, um, but I feel really thankful and grateful that I'm here today to be able to travel so much. Yeah, I love it. So uh, we all have our, our points where something happens that's not really our best interest. What, what was the lesson learned? What, what was the point that really helped you turn things around? Yeah, you know, I think people get motivation in different ways. Um, that was certainly a motivating factor for me. Um, hopefully not everyone has to go through um, – you know, necessarily a struggle like that to get to that point of motivation where they're ready to take action. Uh, but for me, um, as I was getting out, I started meeting more people and I realized, hey, there's plenty of ways to make lots of money in the United States legally without, <laughs> without risking having to go to jail. And I decided at that point when I got out that I was going to make it happen. And shortly, um, shortly thereafter, basically, I found real estate and found out that was the way I was going to make it happen. Now, do you feel that was a necessity? And I guess that's a question I'm leading it into here is there's, there's so many people that are listening today that, that feel like they're stuck. And, and that's stuck really, you know, if we look in the big picture, I mean, what's really holding them there? But they feel stuck. What is something that people can use in their life that if they're not happy in this situation to give them the clarity and maybe the, um, the, 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 the seekness of opportunity that they can get out of where they are? That's a great question. And, you know, it can be a personal struggle. It could be, oh, I feel like I can't do it because I don't have any money or I don't have any connections or I have some baggage from the past. Um, really, none of those are excuses. Um, you know, I, I should say all of them are excuses, but none of them are good excuses for not getting those things done. Um, to me, I think for someone who's maybe been sitting on the sidelines for a long time and just hasn't jumped in, uh, I think the the biggest thing for me in the beginning is writing down what you really want in life. I mean, to me, before investments, it comes down to what do you want your life to look like? And I encourage people to write that down first, right? A vision of what you want your life to be like, because if you want to be, you know, free traveling the world, this and that, but you set up a, a property inspection company that requires you to be on site, that's, you know, you're, 
your investment or your business path isn't consistent with what you want to do in your life. Um, so I encourage people to really start there. And that seems a little bit esoteric, but again, that's the place to start. And then it's focusing on what kind of business can get you there. And what I encourage people to do, if they don't know where to start, go to your, your local meetup groups, uh, go to a conference, um, go on bigger pockets and look in the, you know, where people are having meetups and just go find someone who's inspirational to you, the way they make money and the way they live their life and literally talk to them and just pretty much copy what they do. I, I, everyone wants to go out and reinvent the wheel, I think, and really to get started. I think the best thing is just to identify someone who's, who's doing what you want to do, go talk to them, take them out to lunch, uh, go uh, research all the interviews and podcasts they've ever been on and put together what they've been doing. And, and use that as a model to get started, I think is the easiest way. That's awesome. And the Airbnb model, how did that talk to you? Where did that fit in with the, the, the dynamics of what you wanted your future life to look like? Yeah, so actually I, I took a big trip, must have been about eight, nine years ago, my first big international trip. And I decided that, hey, I want to travel more. So I was working in bank regulation. Um, I had started buying my first property, second property. Another investor, his name is actually Al Williamson, who's coming out to my, uh, my conference in February also. Um, he's the one who got me started and he encouraged me to just rent out a bedroom in my place, just rent out a single bedroom and then, you know, then rent out a unit. And at first I thought it was gonna be too much work. I thought, man, I'm going to have to deal with all these guests. It's going to be a pain in the ass. You know, I'm, I was just like, nah, it's too much work. I'm not going to do it. And I said that for years. And then finally one day I decided, okay, I'm going to do this like I'm already out of the country. So I was actually living next door, you know, to this other, it's kind of like two separate units sort of thing. Sure. I was living next door, but no matter what happened, I would not go do something myself. And sometimes I'd almost feel bad because it's, I could have helped the guests quicker doing it myself, but I wanted to convince myself that I could do it in a way that if I was out of the country, it wouldn't matter. I could still operate this business. Um, so that's how I started was do, with just a single room. And I, I hired someone, I had kind of a handyman that I would have come do some cleaning and some other stuff. And that, that was my start. It's just like, I would refuse to go in person, even though it was next door. And that was the start of my business um, to get free kind of geographically. Yeah. And I love that. And honestly, for anyone looking to start a business that is going to be a business where you can not have yourself involved in a day to day, you have to understand what those processes are that are in there. So pulling yourself out and not giving yourself the easy out to say, okay, let me just walk next door. It's going to take two seconds. No, let me figure out what's that process to build it back. Well, that's how you create a lifestyle that you can accompany with your business. So yeah, great work on that. What, what are some of the points that you look for now in Airbnb investments to say, this is going to fit what I'm looking for in my model? That's a great question. I just want to emphasize actually what you said, because you hit the nail on the head about processes and procedures. You know, when I first started, I didn't have anything written down. And this goes back to that method of writing down what you want your life to be like. Same thing in business. You need to write down what needs to be done. I didn't do that at the start. And it took me a, quite a while to kind of get that picked up and going and get other people on board with it. Um, so it's quite the process, but really, I think no matter what business you're in, whether it be Airbnb, a, a different type of real estate business or any business, those processes and procedures written are what's going to free you up, I think, in a long time. So I just wanted to yeah. emphasize your words there because it's really you know, so And it's a good point because if you think about it, if you're going to bring out employees, right, it, it, the process that a lot of small businesses get stuck in is they bring out an employee and they stand there and they spend the days, the weeks training them, but they don't have anything written down. So now all of a sudden this great, this great employee, yeah, you're talking to them. Now these great employees, and I, they find another job who's paying them an hour more and they leave. And now all of a sudden now you're like, man, now I got to do this again. It's so tiresome because you haven't done anything. <laughs> that you're going to go say, here's the manual. Let's go through the manual and work it out. Yeah. So, 
I, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a lot of work up front. Yeah, it is. It's a ton of work. But is it going to save you in the future? Yes. And that's what yeah. steps apart. You getting to travel across the world and other people are standing there next door, running next door, bringing tea bags or over or whatever they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think um, I was at a conference, I think, with Jay Scott, who I thought made a really great example of this. Is, you know, we always think about investing our dollars to get dollars back in return, right? Yeah. We want to ROI on our money. How much do we do that with our time? So knowing that there is going to be some upfront costs, but for every hour you put in, how much, how many hours do you reap, you know, down the road? And I think that was a great example to kind of explain that, that time investment and return on time that you can get. Yeah, it's super. And what I would think is that most people can quantify, like they, they get to see that number, but they can't quantify the time, right? So it's like, it's like, hey, if I was invested yeah. in like a mentor or even the real estate summit, like I, I could see if I put $5,000 somewhere, like, but I can't see the benefit that comes back. Because, but really when you take that time to go and put the work in and put that time in, well, the benefit could be 10, 20, 30 X from what it gives you back in return. Yeah, and, and sometimes even bigger. I mean, I especially apply that to networking. I think networking yeah. is one of those soft things where you don't really necessarily know what you're going to get going into it. Mm -hmm. But every time I've gone to a local meetup, you know, a free meetup, every time I've gone to a conference, every time I've done any of these things, I come away with either one contact or one idea yeah. that can, I mean, you know, one of those introductions got me, Al Williamson got me from working a nine-to-five job to quitting and traveling the world. Yeah. Um so I always try to go out and network. And then now I have my team working on the processes and procedures because those two things I think are the things that can bring about the biggest return on time in the long run by bringing time back and financial resources. So I'm a big proponent of, of both of those things. My team's almost tired of hearing it by now. They had a dollar for every time they heard process and procedure or networking. <laughs> yeah, but it's great because it's that go-giver mentality, right? So if you're, if you're out there looking to have something specific that you need to get from something, you're going to get nothing. But if you go there with an open mind looking at how you can just be there, just be there, connect, and see what value you can bring. That's when you get these opportunities that grow, like an Al Williams, and that comes up there and offers this point that you don't even know what you're looking for, and there it is right in front of you because you were putting yourself out there. And that's when, when people are sitting on the sideline, it's, it's just that, that first point of just actually just getting started. And, and that's everything. It's these little roadblocks, and it's the Instagram mentality right now. Right now, everybody's on jets or you know in front of cars, so everybody expects that they should be at some pinnacle point. But that's not true. Yeah, it's what we're actually doing to build out the life we want because we're going to be on the journey. So how, how do you now, how does your day look? Talk to us about like, what is an average day in the life of J-Mar? Yeah, you know, it can kind of differ depending on what country I'm in and who I'm with at the time. Um, the basics of my business, so I have about uh, 20, 20, 20 and some change um, apartments in the San Francisco Bay Area, um, primarily subleased. So I pay rent on them with a year lease have someone put furniture inside and we put it up on Airbnb. That's the foundation of the business. Not exactly rocket science. Anyone can do it, rent an apartment, put furniture inside, put on Airbnb, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the basics. I have a team in the Philippines who manages that and then um, some local people who do the cleaning, you know, some companies that do that kind of stuff. Um, so they do everything front to back. So they're taking inquiries, they're doing the bookings, they're doing um, any maintenance requests, anything like that. When we launch a new unit, you know, they do the analysis. I'll look at it and say yes or no. And then they contact someone, you know, actually they're doing that right now. So I got a call from one of the guys I work with. Um, so he said, hey, you want this unit? So I shoot them the address. They do some analysis. Hmm. I uh, ping someone else that I know that work that operates in the area. I said, hey, does this look good? What price could you pay? I said, yes, yes, okay. So I just go through, sign the lease documents. So this is just an example. This happened yesterday, yep. right? 
So I go through and sign the lease documents and then I'll send it to my team and say, hey, find out, you know, like they have a checklist process and procedures of first thing, contact utilities, contact Comcast for internet, yeah. you know, get, get everything operated like that. Um, start buying the furniture, get it assembled. Um, so they have the checklist for all that. All I ask from them is kind of, you know, what's, what's the timeline to get it done. Nice. Um, on average, I think I probably work about, I would say it depends. I do actually a lot of work on the summit. Um, a lot of that though is talking to the speakers, which I love to do. Uh, so that's kind of my passion project. Um, my business, I probably only work about two to three, maybe four hours a week. Awesome. Yeah. So it's, it's been, it's been really great. I look at reports, look at financial reports, um, look at some weekly reports that come out to make sure things are filled. Um, and if everything's going okay, um, I think I've gone maybe like three months or so without talking to my manager for wow. my business. So, um, so yeah. in terms of acquisitions, when you're bringing on an acquisition, are, are you now having local team within realtors and other acquisition people find the opportunity, they know your metrics and they know your parameters and then they, they find something that's in your parameters and they reach back out to you? Would that be a typical process? Not exactly. For, for right now, now I know uh, quite a few people doing this business and there's a lot of different ways to acquire units. For me, I've done it solely through networking. So at meetup groups, you know, places that I've met people in the past, um, you know, let's say they're a landlord, own a bunch of, you know, choosing multifamily apartments and they're going to fix them up, increase the rents, um, you know, I'll pre-sign the lease and come in. So all my leases are with people that I already know from meetup groups, conferences, people I've met. Um, I know other people who go direct to Craigslist, for example, mm-hmm. and we'll just, you know, go paying owners. There's some that are working with um, real estate agents, but for rentals, that doesn't tend to be as strong, you know, in California as it may be in other, in other cities. Sure. That's awesome. Well, in, in doing this right here, what has been the biggest lesson learned, whether it be positive or a growth side from the Airbnb model? Ooh, from the Airbnb model. You know, to me, it's, it's kind of a realization, honestly, that I think any business can pretty much be run remotely. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of challenges to this industry, like anything, because it's, it's in person, it's physical, there has to be someone, you know, there, there. But like any business, um, you know, you can be an owner of the business and not an operator of the business. Literally, even with my first example, that if you were going to set up a property inspection business to physically inspect the property, mm-hmm. that that's not consistent with being remote. But really, you can just be an owner of that business and hire and train a team of people to do that, and you can still be remote. Right? Like the owner of McDonald's doesn't work, you know, frying French fries, right? Yeah. It's collecting profit. So I think that's the biggest realization that I've gone through with this business is really that any business, I think, can be done remotely, geographically. And really without spending the, the amount of time most people think it's necessary. If it's set up right. That's huge. What, what's been your favorite place to travel? And have you done any Airbnb investments in that place or out of the country or out of the San Francisco area? I get this question a lot. Um, Thailand is one of my favorite places. I've probably spent over six months there. Um, I do not operate anything internationally right now, although I'm still looking at it. Um, one of the challenges that I found in, in many of these lower cost countries that I travel to is that the price points are so low when converted to USD that even though the base rents are very low and the, the percent margins are very large, that it's, there's a lot of units needed to get up to a, a good dollar amount USD, you know, as far as uh, profits in the pocket kind of thing. Uh, I think the best way to do that for someone who's interested is to kind of do a higher end you know, renting to foreigners at 150 bucks a night for a super luxury type thing. Um, could maybe net enough 
enough dollars, but I, I get almost that much rented on a monthly basis down in Mountain View, where it'd have to be a luxury thing in Thailand, or I'd have to have a hundred units in Thailand to make money, to oh, make good yeah. money on it, right? Yeah. So if anything, I'd rather be operating in like New York City, Switzerland, Tokyo, <laughs> you know? Gotcha. Whereas I just travel in like Southeast Asia, in some of the less expensive areas. So that, that's the challenge that I found um, when traveling as far as launching Airbnb internationally. I do stay in Airbnbs. I've probably stayed in about 60 or 70 of them. What is one of the biggest, let's say for Airbnb models that you've stayed in, what is a green light or a red, red light on, on a uh, Airbnb that you'll stay in? What are some of the, most, the, best, the best operators doing and the, and the worst operators? Well, I would say, you know, reviews are always one thing that I'm going to look at. Don't need to be a super host, but if you're below four stars, you're, you're somehow giving a crappy experience. Yeah. Um, I, I like to, personally, I like to look for really unique spaces. I like stuff that's either really unique um, or fantastic view. Yeah. Um, and also, I think, like, local charm is a big thing. Like, if I'm staying in Mexico... The last place I picked, um, you know, it's got all these beautiful, colorful tiles and bright, bright color walls, you know, and it's, it feels like the area that you're staying in versus some of the other like hotels and some of the other spots are just very, very bland, white, you know, same kind of furniture and this and that. To be honest, we don't necessarily capture this the best in my business, but I think especially when you're dealing with international travelers for vacation, I think that local feel is a huge thing. I love that. I love that. Well, yeah. Jay, this has been awesome. So talk to us about, of course, uh, the San Francisco Bay Real Estate Summit coming up. Uh, tell us when it is and uh, how people can find out more about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, February 8th and 9th, uh, 2020 in Oakland. The website is uh, sfbsummit.com. And basically, we get, we get together a lot of folks from bigger pockets. They actually didn't have a conference for a long time until this last year. So that's kind of why I started it. Um, but we get together a lot of folks from bigger pockets, a lot of folks from California, and it's basically just kind of a no pitch environment to share kind of openly with other investors. I think a lot of conferences, you know, people are just there to like pitch, sell, might be free even, you know, because they're trying to get everyone in the door to sell them everything. Um, so we're trying to kind of take that bigger pockets approach of just openly sharing without expectations. And just like you said too, right? When you go out there, you help people, it really comes back around. Um, and I work with a lot of people today that have been invested with that originally came to me for advice on something that I knew and I've, I've been able to come back around and get a lot from them also. Um, so I think just um, for those who can, you know, can come out, I think it's a great experience, but no matter what you do, you know, look up, go on meetup.com, go on Bigger Pockets, find a local real estate networking group and just start going. And the more you get to know people, the more the opportunities open up. And it might not be overnight, but again, that's one way to start honing in, find someone that you like their business and start replicating that. I, th I, th I think for those who are sitting on the sideline and you know, it's time to take action. We've got a new year, new year coming in. It's 2020. Yeah. We'll make it happen. Good. Well, Jay, I, I super appreciate your time. I love the approach of, of finding what you want and then find the business going to align with it. Talking about the systems and the processes and everything that builds out there. Using the giving approach first and finding how you can go out there and just, just network, just to communicate because that can open up so many doors. So awesome job. Absolutely. Continued success to you. Safe travels and thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.